0: Morning, So good to see you today. Welcome to service. Looking forward to a wonderful time in the house of the Lord and uh, just a great blessing. I trust you've had a wonderful week. If not, looking forward to a great week here and a great start on the first day of the week. Welcome those of you that are watching online and we're delighted to have you this morning as well. All of the music today has been chosen and selected around the theme of God's love our Savior's love for us. And uh, hopefully it will prepare our hearts for the preaching of the Word of God and so that we can rejoice. If you were to ask me what is my favorite hymn in the whole hymn book, I would tell you it's my Savior's love. As I stand in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean. I trust that you will be rejoiced and refreshed in your Savior's love this morning as well. Stand if you would. Let's lift our voice. Let's begin our service. God bless you as you sing.
1: I stand amazed in the presence. sinner condemned unclean how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me for me it was in the God not my will but Thine. He had no tears for His own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for Mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me took my sins and my sorrows he made them his very own he bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone how marvelous how wonderful and my song shall ever be how marvelous how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory His face I at last shall see, it be my joy through the day.
2: say amen. amen. Shall we pray together? And we follow the Lord. Thank you for today. Father, thank you for everyone I see here today. Father, this room is filled with love, but most of all is filled with you. Father, we thank you for all you do for us each and every day. Father, we are all sinners saved by the grace of God. Father, we know that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, if someone's here today and they haven't called your name to enter in their heart, let today be the day that they get saved from you. Father, let them spend eternal, eternal life with you in heaven. Father, I ask you to be with Pastor as he brings a powerful message in John today. It's your message. He's just preaching it, Father. Just give him the, the wits and the ner- and the, the words to say what he needs to say that you want him to say. Father, open our hearts and ears now. Father, be with us as we greet one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn around and wave to your neighbor. Don't miss anyone.
0: see, the, uh, the songwriter said great is the Lord holy and just he is and by his power we trust in his love again the love of God lift your voice let's sing about the greatness of our Savior
1: great is the Lord is holy and just by his power we trust in his love the Lord is faithful and true, by His mercy He proves His love. Great is the Lord and worthy of glory, great is the Lord and worthy of praise. Great is the Lord, now lift up your voice, now lift up your voice. praise. Great is the Lord. Now lift up your voice. Now lift up your voice. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of glory. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of praise. Great are you, Lord, my voice. I lift up my voice. Great are you, Lord. Great are you,
0: Lord. Amen. Be seated. So good to hear you sing and love to hear their voice come barreling down over through the uh, down to the front, I do not sing well, that's why they put me on the front row, so you're not tormented by that, I just sing right here, and poor brother Jeff, I can hardly believe he can concentrate while he is playing, and uh, so good, we had a wonderful 8.30 service this morning, and looking forward to another wonderful time in the house of the Lord, if you're visiting with us today today. Thank you for being here. In the pew in front of you should be a connection card. I'm not sure, and the chair's up there, but in the pews in front, there are. If not, if one's not in front of you, stop by the welcome desk. And if you'll take a moment, take the ink pen, fill that card out, put it in the plate when it goes by. That'll give us a record of your attendance today, who invited you, how you heard about us, and all of those things. While they're doing that, let me make some announcements um, of course, we are working our way toward next Sunday. Next Sunday is our anniversary Sunday. Our church will be celebrating 58 years of being chartered as a church. Uh, it's a wonderful testimony to the, the grace of God, to the glory of God. Uh, I do believe our church started in about 1959. Uh, I was not born Anybody born prior to 1959 and you're proud of it? There you go. I see some hands out there. Um, Started downtown and built a building out just a little bit west of downtown. And then in 1978, they bought this property here. But we will celebrate the charter of 58 years. It will be a very, very busy day as we do that. Normally, we have a big lunch on the grounds and celebrate. We won't be able to do that with all that's going on. But it will have two services, of course, 8.30 and 10.30. Next week, we open our children's ministry at 8.30. So the kids are welcome back. If you used to come to 8.30 and you want to come back to that for children's ministry, then we will be open accordingly. Um, we will have water baptisms in the service next week. We have folks that have been saved. There will be a baptism in both services, 8.30 and 10.00. Uh, ten thirty. No, we are not baptizing them twice. They just get baptized at whatever service they come to uh, We have new members that will be presented in all of those services We'll finish our new members class for this session today at five o'clock um, And then of course we will go to the table of the lord and that's always a wonderful time as we go to communion And uh, we need communion. It's been a long time since we've done that uh, to, uh, to help facilitate the need we have opened up a room that will be a totally social distant room. Uh, the elements will be in there served. You'll be able to see the service on the television. There will be a, a, a man in that room to help provide and work for the service. Uh, we've got a good little crowd that has signed up. They've called and reserved for that room. I will ask them to enter in the the door that's over here on the east side of the property by the new restrooms. Come down that hallway, make a left, and go right into the room there. And that room will be available at 8.30 and at 10.30. So it should be just a wonderful day. There should be no reason, and I'm talking to those that are online because those that are here, there really shouldn't be any reason for somebody not to come next Sunday unless you're out of town or you're sick. Uh, we've taken all the distance measures. There's a private room there. Uh, you can come into here. And so that's the Sunday that I'm looking to have all of our church family back. So put it down on your calendar if you would. Pastor, uh, I haven't been coming because I go to work here or I go to work there or whatever. That's okay. You just come and we'll trust the Lord. I understand if you're sick and not able to do that, but this is our anniversary Sunday and we will miss anybody that's not here. Amen. So, shouldn't be any reason to do that. And, uh, I look forward to seeing you there. Uh, I want to give God glory for a wonderful youth activity they had last night. I had over 60 teenagers had an activity last night here at the property. Thank you, young people, for coming. Thank you for your bonfire and not burning down the church. And so they're spread out there. And, uh, and we survived that. And God is so good. Uh, some announcements just to be reminded of Wednesday night, we're in our Christian home series. We introduced that series last week, and I'll be preaching again on, on the subject of a Christian home, uh, this Wednesday, speaking on the subject of the importance of every Christian home to have a biblical world view. Now, we're living in a time when the views of the world are being expressed, are they not? But it's important that God's people, Christian people, that our homes are operated according to a biblical worldview. That doesn't mean every home operates the exact same, but it does mean that as we view the world, we view the world through the Word of God. You will find as the researchers are coming into the church, you might know the name George Barna and those people that do a lot of surveys, as they are surveying Congregations, you will find that there is less and less of a biblical world view. That means that you are to view everything that happens in light of God's word. And so, I'll talk to you about the importance of that and the danger of not having that in your home on Wednesday night. I hope and pray that you'll be able to be here. Uh, as you drove in the service, uh, the property, you saw the parking lot, didn't you? Let's roll those pictures, if you would please. Uh, not that one. We see that one all the time. There's the same. There we go. We're making progress here. And uh, we're pouring concrete. And you see the trucks that are coming. They've poured the the west drive, which should be an in and out drive. They've poured all the way down to the back of the property. They've poured across a little bit in the section in the middle. And uh, they poured around the back. And so hopefully, Lord willing, We'll be able to finish the pouring this week. If we don't get it in by this week, then it will be early. Next week, depending upon uh, the weather there. And so, what a testimony to God's goodness and to God's grace. Tomorrow we have the final um, inspection on our fire sprinkler system. So pray that God will uh, see us through that safely. Thank you for giving. You see we're up to 78 spots. Over $700,000 has come in for the building fund since December 15th. Kind of a unique and fun thing that is happening I, um, I mentioned that somebody had donated a, a gold ring. And I said, you might have some gold laying around or something. You'd be shocked how many people had gold from X relationships that they have brought to Plantation Baptist Church. And so I'm delighted about all of that. And, uh, I got little beggies here and beggies here headed to the, the gold person there. So, hey, every little bit helps, right? And uh, we're excited to see what the Lord is doing. Feel free to walk on the concrete. Please do not drive on the concrete. If you walk on the concrete, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And uh, I'm just kidding you about that. Hopefully next week, we'll all be able to walk out there and kind of just see how good God is. All right, for our hymn, I chose this hymn. It's an old hymn powerful hymn wonderfully illustrated hymn as the verbiage of the hymn exalts the love of God and um, boy we've sung this throughout the ages as the saints of God you will find that the love of God will be the saints and angels song throughout all of, of eternity it is imperative that you watch the uh wording and the comparison in this hymn especially as we get to the third verse and it talks about if the oceans filled with ink and the skies were a parchment and every stalk on earth a quill every man a scribe to write the love of God above would drain that ocean dry, which means there's no height, no depth, no limit to the love of God. I trust you know it in your heart. Stand if you would. Pay attention to what you're doing. I need this to prepare for the preaching of the Word of God.
1: The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care, God gave His Son to win.
2: This erring
1: child He reconciled and pardoned from His sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. Time shall pass away, and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall. When men who hear refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong. Measureless and strong, each of forevermore endure the saints and angels. So could we with it the ocean fill and were disguised, a parchment made, where every star on earth a quill and every man cry by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean
0: hope you're able to follow along that. The love of God shall ever endure the saints and the angel song, which means that we shall sing it forever and it shall be able to receive it forever. Uh, I would like to share with the church today that there's a new voice singing with the angel song, and he went to heaven on Thursday. And it, it hurt me. It was heaven's gain and earth's loss for brother Bill Lewis to go to heaven. Remember brother Bill Lewis? 99. Probably one of the greatest Bible teachers to ever walk the face of the earth was Bill Lewis. And, uh, his wife had passed a couple years ago and brother Bill just loved God with all his heart, mind, and soul. Family's going to do a private burial up at the military cemetery in Boynton beach. I don't know if you, if you ever get opportunity to go to a a at, a at a military cemetery, you ought to take advantage of that. It's just precious. Uh, the son, I talked with him and Bill had moved to Virginia to be with his daughter. Uh, when COVID-19 hit and they clamped down on all the facilities and you couldn't go in and out, he said, you're not keeping me here. He busted out of jail and went and moved to Virginia. That's the kind of spirit he had. His son said that with his daughter, he, he came in the room one day and he said, um, I don't feel well. Well, you're 99. I know. What do you want us to do about it? He said, I want you to get me a hospital bed. I want you to put it in my room. You, you want us to get you a hospital bed and put it in your room? Yeah, I don't feel well. They got a bed. They put it in the room. He got in his bed and he died a couple days later. He knew he was going to go home and be with the Lord and he didn't want anybody to stop him. He want to go go and be makes me just so thankful that I know where I'm going when I die. I hope and pray that you know that as well. Two folks, um, one we are praising the Lord with today, and one we are praying. Tiffany Hernan and the Hernan family is probably watching online as she is in a quarantine. We'll have a major major surgery tomorrow, and so please lift if you would Tiffany Hernan to the throne of grace. Mike, and then, of course, Michaela and Taryn. Watch over the family if you would. Brother Phil Simon is rejoicing in the Lord, and Beulah's rejoicing in the Lord today. Uh, Brother Phil has walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and God has sustained him. And by evidence of medical testing, he has been touched by the great physician. And so they're here today just to give God glory. They came last week to give God glory, but I didn't see them. And so, Beulah was waving her hand over there, and I didn't see it. She said, if you don't recognize us this week, you're going to need medical attention. And so, <laughs> let, let the record be said that, that, that we have, we've done that. All right. Pray with me, if you would, please. Father, what a joy it is to be in the house of God today. I was thinking about Brother Lewis being with you while we were singing that hymn. That the love of God is so great that it will for all eternity endure the song of the saints. And not endure in a negative way like we endure somebody's presence or endure a hardship. But it will be a blessing. Man, that day, that day when we're absent from this body and present with the Lord. That day when we really realize how real hell is. That day when we realize that had it not been for the grace of God where we would be. That day when we see a face-to-face and it all sets in. Man, we will lift our voice and we will join the angels and we will sing the song of the love of God. Father, I want to praise you for... Brother Philip, he loves you and knows you and is filled with you. His wife, Beulah, the the great physician has just been so real in their life. And they're here today to give public testimony to the goodness of God in their life, to the glory of God, the strong hand of God, the healing of the Lord Jesus. And we rejoice in that. Receive, God, their praise, their thanksgiving, their gratitude, and and, in coordination with ours as well as we join together corporately and do that. I lift Tiffany to the throne of grace, God. She will undergo a major surgery tomorrow. And I just pray, great physician, that you will be on call and that you will watch over the doctors and you will guide and and direct. And Lord, that you'll let her come through this. Spare her life. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to spare her life, if you would please. Father, I pray for our service today. I pray you'd help me preach with power, Lord, with authority. And touch our hearts Touch every heart in the whole place today as we look at the love of Jesus. Thank you, God. Bless this offering now, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you as you give. If you're our guest, if you'd be so kind as to put the card in the plate. I'm not sure that there is an offertory more fitting for the day in which we live than right now. I don't know if you've watched the news and you see what's going on in the, uh, our nation. You see what's going on in the devastation of the storms. You see what's going on in the protests and the riots and the lootings and the beliefs and the form. Just all that people are going through. Would you please just understand this? At the end of everything, people need the Lord. to high. Truth to that song, people need the Lord. Take your Bible if you would, please. Make your way if you would back to the Gospel of John. The seventh chapter will be our text this morning. We will not be in the Gospel of John next week as we go to the table of the Lord, but we will pick back up our series after that. We enter in today the chapter number seven in this wonderful book, and uh, I'm just so excited to see. What God is doing through the book and the work that God is doing in our hearts. The drawing of souls, the encouraging of God's people and the depth of all that this book touches on in, in our life, in church life and in the life of people in the world. We gave the um, title to our series, Just That, That You Might Have Life. This is the desire of the writer John as he exalts the Lord Jesus as the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. And reading and seeing who he is and what he accomplished on this earth. That you would believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And that believing you would have life in and through his name. By the way, the only way to have spiritual life is in and through the name of Jesus Christ. Pick up, if you would please, today John chapter 7. verse number 1, let me read our text. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he would not walk in Jewry, or Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren, these would be his half-brothers... These would be the children that would have been born to Joseph and to Mary. You understand that Jesus had brethren that had the same mother, but they did not have the same father. That might be you. You might have the same mother, but you don't have the same father as your siblings or vice versa. Jesus's half-brothers, their father was Joseph. Jesus' father was not Joseph his father is God the Father, right? The Bible is very clear to make sure that you understand that Jesus was virgin-born, and very clear to make sure that you understand that while Joseph and Mary were espoused to each other, that's when Mary became with child, placed in her by the Holy Spirit of God. But the Bible is clear to let us know that Joseph and Mary did not know intimate relation as a husband and wife. Not only did they not know intimate relation as a husband and wife prior to the conception of the Lord Jesus by the Holy Spirit of God, they did not know intimacy while the Lord Jesus was in the womb of Mary. The Bible says that Joseph did not know his wife until after Jesus was born. Then, after Jesus was born... Him and Mary knew each other intimately, and children were born. These are referred to here in this passage. Verse number 3. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, And he himself seeketh to be known openly. That wouldn't make sense. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. Verse number five, you ought to have underlined. It's imperative and important in this chapter. For neither did his brethren believe in him. Then said Jesus unto them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hated. I think I'll stop right there. Wow. When you finish reading that verse, Your mind is probably thinking the same thing my mind is thinking, especially if you are a child of God. Why would anybody ever hate Jesus? I want to preach you today a message entitled, Why the World Hates Jesus. To those of us that know Jesus as Lord and Savior... We cannot imagine why the world would hate the Savior of the world. It's hard to imagine how humanity could hate the only human, the God-man, that was ever pure selflessness. It's hard to imagine how someone could hate pure love. For the Bible says... God is love. Hard to imagine you could hate somebody who died for you. Hard to imagine you could hate somebody that all he's ever done is work for good in in your life. And yet Jesus said, Fellas, you can go to the feast. I can't go. They, they, They don't hate you. Me, they hate. Hate's a strong word, right? We are facing the word hate today like we probably have never faced it. You have everything from hate crime to hate speech. You have the declaration of hate. You have the accusation of hate today. And I would say that in man's mind... Sometimes hate could be justified. But I promise you, not by the word of God nor in the mind of man is hate toward Jesus ever justified. No one could ever find a pure reason to hate Jesus Christ. Chapter 7 is a strong chapter. Matter of fact, you read words like hate, kill, divide. If I was to kind of put a theme on the chapter, if you would look at verse number 43, you will see that the Bible makes a statement here about the moment. In verse number 43, the Bible says, So there was a, what's that word class? A division among the people because of Him. You will find as you... um Study the life of Christ through the Word of God, and as you even study the life of Christ in your own life by experience, division usually comes with Jesus. It's interesting how our mind and our hearts sometimes think that Jesus is the great unifier, when in reality, he's the great divider. Yes, we are unified in the body of Christ as the church. By the way, if that's you, would you say amen? But you will find that choosing Jesus usually divides you from your wife, your husband, sometimes your mother, sometimes your father, sometimes the home you grew up in, sometimes your inheritance, sometimes your friends, sometimes your relational circles, sometimes your employees, and sometimes your employers. You will find that Jesus himself said that he had come to divide On a Sunday morning, usually the goal of my message is for Jesus to be so exalted in our heart and mind that we see him not only as king of kings and Lord of lords, but we see him as he is absolute truth. And since Jesus is absolute truth, then he's absolutely right every time. When you leave a worship service on a Sunday morning, I want you to believe that Jesus is right and anyone or anything that is against him is wrong. By the way, Jesus is never wrong. So when I make a choice to come to Jesus, or I make a choice to go with Jesus, many times that brings division in my life. A lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people struggle with that. They don't, they don't want to get saved because they don't want to be divided from their family religion, or they don't want to be divided from their mother or father, or they don't want to be divided from their inheritance. I promise you, whatever Jesus divides you from, it's worth it. It's worth it. The chapter is intense because of the division that happens. The opening verses that I read to you, Jesus is facing a division within his home family. And within his own family, he's facing this division, and yet he makes a powerful declaration about himself, and about the world. The setting you need to understand. You read the words feast of tabernacles. This was one of the many feasts that God had ordained and commanded in the life of a Jew. In the book of Leviticus. And many times God would command these feasts. So that the nation would never forget what God, who God was and what God had done for them. The Feast of Tabernacles, you can read about it in the book of Leviticus, especially if you wanted to begin in chapter 23. You can read about it in the book of Deuteronomy as well. This was a little feast that was designed to go seven days. It had six minor days. The seventh day was called a great day of the feast. What they were supposed to do all during this feast is that they were to build themselves little booths, not booze, booths, B-O-O-T-H-S. And they would live in these little booths, and these little booths, would be testifier or reminder of the time that the nation spent in the land of the wilderness and how they lived in these tabernacles and they lived in these booths. And even during that time, God was faithful to provide for them. The feast would take six days and the priest would have a parade and they would go through the streets and they would pour water in the streets. You know that water was brought out of the rock. Water was important there. On the seventh day, there would be no water involved in the celebration. This is imperative for a couple of messages down the road because it will be on that seventh day that Jesus will stand up and tell them out of their innermost being shall flow rivers of living water speaking about the fulfillment of what God wanted to do in their heart. This was a feast that would draw anyone and everyone to. Jerusalem would be filled. The crowds would overwhelm. There would be tremendous intensity there you find that this feast is used for jesus to um, do teaching in the temple it's also used for him to teach a truth about how he is received in the world and the bible says in verse number three that his brethren were encouraging jesus to go to the feast now you need to know this they, they were encouraging him to come to the feast, and they were encouraging him to come there and to, and to do the works, and let the disciples see the works that Jesus was doing. Um, the, these half brethren they were concerned because the crowds around Jesus were lessening. Matter of fact, look if you would at chapter six, verse sixty-six. The Bible says, "From that time when Jesus had given that hard saying, many of his disciples went back." And walked no more with him. So the half brothers of Jesus, they, they were enjoying the fame of Jesus. They, they had a popular older brother and they were proud of it and they were enjoying the popularity of their older brother. And the more that their older brother was exalted and lifted. The more they were. Jesus you sit here. Oh you're his brethren. You come and sit here. My brother and my sister. They grew up with somebody like that. They would understand the popularity of an older brother. Maybe, maybe, maybe yours do as well. The Bible says. That they wanted Jesus to come back to Jerusalem. Now if you remember. Jerusalem. Is where they were trying to kill him. And they wanted him to come back and do more magic. Let's just time out a second. Jesus did miracles. He did not do magic. But they thought it was magic. Okay. When you read verse number four, they, they come up with a philosophy here that says, Jesus, listen, no man that doeth anything in secret and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. So so their, their mindset was, okay, uh, we're losing people. We're losing crowds. We need Jesus to go back to Jerusalem. And they were following him because he was different. They were following him because he had some ability to do some things. But they could not understand why he was wasting his time in Galilee. They wanted him to come back into Jerusalem where the crowds were. And then they had this philosophy, if you want to be known, why are we hiding over here in Galilee? If you really want to be known, you need to come back over here into Jerusalem. This is where the people are. This is how we're going to get more people. And this is how this thing is going to work. Verse number five, their motive is mentioned here. For neither did his brethren, say those three words, believe in him. It's interesting. They grew up with him. He was their older brother. They grew up in the same house. They played in the same streets. They probably had the same friend groups. They probably enjoyed the same type of recreation. They watched him never do anything wrong. That's amazing, right? I don't think any of us can say that. And yet, they didn't believe in him. Jesus looks at them, and Jesus says to them, In essence, in verse number eight, go ye up unto this feast. I go not yet up unto this feast, for my time is yet not yet full come. Jesus tells them in verse number six, you guys can go, I can't go. Verse number seven, he tells them why. The world cannot hate you. But me it hateth. Fellas, I know you guys want me to go to the feast, but I can't go. Now you can go because the world cannot hate you. Why could the world not hate them? Because they had not yet believed in Jesus. They were just like the world. They were the world in this essence. Oh, they were the half-brothers of Jesus. But just because you were the half-brother physically doesn't mean that you're spiritually brothers in Christ, right? So Jesus says to them, fellas, you, you guys can go up there. It's safe for you to go. The world can't hate you. But the world is going to hate me. It does hate me. Why? Why would the world hate Jesus? Before I answer that, let me explain a couple of things. In the Bible, it is very important that you understand what the world is. It's mentioned four different ways. Sometimes it's, it's the cosmos. Sometimes it's the planet. Sometimes it's the people of the earth. And sometimes it's a system. Does every person in the world hate Jesus no in this passage of scripture the word world is not referring to your neighbor it's not referring to all of the peoples of the world not every unsaved person hates Jesus what Jesus is referring here to in this word world he's referring to the system of antichrist He's referring to a belief that is apart the authority of Jesus and apart the Word of God. He's dealing with a system that finds its root in the pride of life and the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh in 1 John chapter number 2. The world's world in, in anchored in lust and pride is against the person of Jesus Christ. This is the system that he is talking about. And those people that believe in that system and are anchored in that system and want that system and enjoy that system and give their life to that system. Those people that have believed in that as their God and clenched onto that, that is the world part he is talking about here. He's not talking about every person in the world. He's talking about those that have given into the belief system or the philosophy of the world that is against God. They do want nothing to do with God. They don't want to be bothered in that, and this is the process forward. They're anchored in their pride, and, they're, and they love the lust of their flesh. They love the lust of their eyes, and they just want that Direction That system and those people that believe in that system, Jesus said, hate me. Why? Why would the world hate Jesus? Look, if you would, please, at verse number seven. Jesus gives you this, his answer. Because I, what are those three words? Testify of it. You understand what it is to testify. Maybe you have been in a court of law and you've had been a witness to something and you've had the responsibility to testify of what you have seen. Jesus says that the reason that the world hates me is because I witness against or of the world. Well, what would he witness of or against the world? Keep reading in verse number 7. I testify of it that the works thereof are what, class? Evil. Evil. Jesus says, in essence, this is why the system, the worldly system that comes from the heart and mind of Satan himself as it has been received in humanity... That system that is anchored in pride and in lust, and that belief that is just settled against God and apart from God, and folks that that give their heart to that and they have no interest in anything but that, this is their God, they hate me because I testify that what they are doing is evil. That's interesting. Nobody likes to be called evil. But my friend, when the Bible calls you evil, you're evil. When the Bible called Thomas Alexander Hunter Jr. evil, I was evil. How? How does the Lord testify of the evil work it's in the world? Come back, if you would, please, to John chapter 3. I think you'll get a beautiful picture of this. Write down these three words, if you would. You can write them down in your notes. Write them down by the Bible. In your Bible, write down the word presence, write down the word person, and write down the word preaching. Presence, person, and preaching. Pick up, if you would, please, at verse number 16 of John chapter 3. The Bible says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you enjoy that, say amen. He doesn't, lo- he doesn't hate the world. He loves the world. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That world there is every person in the world. Not every person in the world will be saved, but every person in the world can be saved. He... That believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Now watch verse 19. Very important. And this is the condemnation. That. What's that word? Light. Is coming to the world. That's the presence. Of Jesus Christ. And men. Loved. Darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were what? Evil. For everyone that doeth evil. Here's our word. What is it? Hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light. There's the person lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Why? Pastor, why does it seem like the world hates Jesus? Good question. I would agree with you. You turn the television on, they hate him. You think of what Hollywood has put out, they hate him. You try to bring up the Lord Jesus as the solution to the world's problems, you will be mocked. You try to bring the Lord Jesus into the conversation of most of, of our world today, and immediately there will be a burring up, there will be a stirring, and there will be an animosity, and there will be a hatred. It does seem like the world hates Jesus. Now that's not every person in the world, but that is the system of the world. That is that system of the world that is Antichrist. that is against righteousness, anchored in pride, evidenced and, and satisfied through lust. And as the peoples of the world align themselves with that and join that, it does seem like they hate Jesus. Why would they hate Jesus? All he did was come to seek and to save that which is lost. They hate him because he testifies of them that their deeds are evil. Now, if something is going to be declared evil, then there must be something that is declared what? Good. You can't can't have evil without good. For example, you can't have bad news unless you're able to compare it with good news, right? So the declaration that deeds are evil as a evidence of the sinful nature. There is in our world and a part of the peoples of our world that when those deeds are exposed by the presence of light. When those deeds are exposed through the person, the sinless son of God. When those deeds are exposed through the preaching of the word of God they love the darkness more than they love light because they love those wicked deeds. And instead of humbling themselves to the Lord Jesus, they hate him. They hate him. Now, I would submit to you with a couple minutes I have left The reason that the world hates Jesus is the reason that I love him. Right? I love him for his presence because if he had not turned the light of the gospel on in my life, I would have lived a life of darkness. Had he not met me in his person, I would have not have known the way or the truth to life. I would have not known the substitutionary death for my sin. I would not have known the covering of the blood. I would not have known that I have somebody that I can go to and find redemption and salvation. I would not have known that I have the ability to have a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. If he had not preached to me the gospel, then I would never have the ability to believe. The reason that the world hates Jesus is is the reason why the Christian and the church loves the Lord. Right? So here's my second part. I was preached this message a long time ago in my Bible. I I mark in my Bible... And the preacher was preaching and he preached down to verse number 7 there. And he said, the world cannot hate you. And I have written beside in my Bible a truth that God gave me that I'm going to preach to you right now. The worst statement that could ever be said of me. Jesus said to his brethren... You can go. The world cannot hate you. It hates me. The reason that the world could not hate the brethren is because Jesus was not in the brethren by belief and by trust. I submit to you later in the book of John, when these brethren come to belief, Jesus says, Now, the world hates you. Listen very carefully to me and don't lose me for any reason. Child of God, the world hates Jesus and the world should hate you. Pastor, run that by me one more time. The world hates Jesus. And the world should hate you. You, you, you. you mean my neighbor should hate me because they do hate me? No. No. You mean my, my, my family should hate me? No. You, you mean some foreign country ought to hate me? No. I'm not talking about the citizens of the world as a whole but I'm talking about the worldly system that is believed upon by peoples of the world. If they hate Jesus, they should hate you. We have a problem. Here's our problem. The world is comfortable with the church today. A lot of that is because there's no difference in the church in the world. We're worldly. Reality when the world wants to get down and dirty, they shouldn't want you around. Men. It shouldn't be you bottoms up in the girly place with the world. Why would they invite you? You you might get one invite. Why would they want you there? Ladies. In your moments of sensuality, whatever. When the world wants to get down and dirty, they invite you to go? No Christian ought to have drinking buddies. No Christian ought to have orgy parts at work. My kids have begun to work in the community. And they will come home and they will tell me, Dad, you won't believe who's sleeping with who, who's doing this, what's going on. That ought not to be stuff that God's people are involved in. They should hate you. What does that mean? They don't want you around. When the world gets down and dirty, they shouldn't want you around. When should they want the Christian around? When they're broken, when they're hurt, when they're searching, when they need truth, when they need prayer, when they need God. That's when they should want us. Right? So Jesus said to those fellas, you guys can go. The world won't hurt you. I'm afraid that God's people are so welcomed by the world. Man, we never met a Christian like you. You're cool. Right? There's no such thing as a cool Christian. <laughs> Boy, we, we didn't know Christians do that. They don't. They don't. You're probably not a Christian. If you can go out and whore around and get drunk and live like the world, then the world's in your heart. Man, we, we want to go to a church like that. Mm-mm. Not here. Here, we love Jesus. Amen. Mm. Do you understand where, where I'm going with this? Jesus said, fellas, the world has reason to hate me because I testify through my presence, through my person, and through my preaching that their deeds are evil. Then the world ought to hate you. Because your presence ought to reflect the light of Christ. Your person ought to reflect the person of Jesus. And your word ought to be the word of God. And when they get down and dirty. It ought not to be us. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that this type of preaching. Has exited the pulpits of our churches. When it's the word of God. No, no, no. The people of the world ought not to hate you for your person. They ought to respect you, admire you. They need us. The people of the world need the light of the gospel. But they don't need us to be like them. So let me ask you a question. Let's just use the scenario here. If I took you in your world right now and we showed up, Is it safe for you to go to the feast? How about it, young person? I want every teenager in the room to listen to me just a second. Put your phones down. I'm looking at you up there. I can see you. I can call your name if you want me to. Look me in my four eyeballs. Okay? The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Young people, I'm afraid that we're not truly saved. I'm afraid that we have a front, but if we knew your social media account, we knew what you're doing, we knew the groups you're hanging out with. I'm not sure where you lie. The world shouldn't be kind to you. The world shouldn't be accepted of you unless you're like the world. And only God knows the heart. I told you the chapter was heavy and the chapter was divisive. and The chapter was strong. What makes the world hate Jesus is what makes me love Jesus. And I sure don't want to be anything but Jesus to the world. Amen? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father God. Light is so powerful. So powerful. When you turn the light on, you see what's been hidden in the dark. That's why people that love darkness don't, don't want the light turned on. Jesus is turning the light on here. He's teaching his brethren, you don't believe in me, therefore you're like the world. Go ahead. It's safe for you to be with the world. There's no reproof, there's no testifying. I can't do it. They hate me. My very presence, my very person, and my preaching. Exposes that what they're doing is evil. And instead of humbling themselves. And repenting. They hate me. God. The world needs Jesus. People need the Lord. And the world needs a church that's right with the Lord. And when the world gets down and dirty. They ought not to want God's child around. They shouldn't want him present. They shouldn't want his person. Because of the preaching. But. I'm wondering how we're doing there Lord. When they do need us is when they need help. Truth. Teaching. So I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed. You preach a message like this, every heart has to search. Let me start with you, Christian. Where are you in relation to the world? And I don't mean just the people of the world, I mean the system of the world. Just let me ask you point blank when they want to get down and dirty, are you the one going? Are you the one there? Are you the Christian like no other Christian, the cool one? Come on. Jesus is more than that to us. Teenager, you can fool me. You can fool mom and dad. You can't fool God. You cannot fool God. Think you're playing a game. God knows the truth. I think some of us need to kind of just look at where we are can't serve God and mammon maybe you're here today and what makes the world hate him is what makes us love him and you're here and you're not saved but his presence and his person and his preaching will bring you to his wonderful love and forgiveness and salvation this is what he desires but you have to humbly receive that this type of message only does well you apply it to your heart. So I'll leave you for a moment in the personal quietness of your heart and mind, and we'll have our invitation. Father, there be somebody here that's not saved today I pray that you give them courage in a moment to walk down this aisle and tell one of the men that they want to be saved we'll take a bible and show them how to be saved I pray for a Christian God the one who's not right in the world you're speaking to them you're letting them know that you know who they are where they are what's going on and you want to be forsaken and under the blood move now i pray holy spirit help us those that are watching online god touch them too for in jesus name would you stand please our song of invitation is just as i am the altar is open god spoke to your heart today maybe you want to come and do business with him if you'd like to receive the lord we'd love to take a bible and show you how to be saved let God have His way. Verse number one.
1: Just as I am.
0: And I just want everybody over eighteen just to be patient with me. When I was young, a teenager, I got challenged just like this on which world I belong to. And I'm challenging our young people today. What world do you belong to? God knows the truth. I think there's a young man or a young woman out there and you're playing a game and God wants the game to stop. Choose this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You've known me a long time. You've never known me to be this poignant. But I'm this poignant today because worldliness is creeping in and worldliness is destroying our young people. So I'm asking you young people. What world does God know you are a part of? And what world do you want to be a part of? This verse is for you. You can do business where you stand with the Lord. Or you can come forward and pray. I want to give one more verse. For God to touch your heart. Coming forward today, the Losi family, Ray and Melinda and Matthew. Been coming now about a year, almost a year, and God has opened the door for them to uh, desire membership through transfer of letter from a like-minded church with Plantation Baptist Church. And we're so delighted in this. Already they've been involved. If you rejoice with them, would you say amen today? And uh, we're so grateful for what God has done and is doing. And look forward to a wonderful future serving the Lord together. Wednesday night, a Christian home, a biblical worldview. I hope and pray to see you. New members, 5 o'clock, we'll finish our class. Great, great, great next Sunday, anniversary Sunday. Lord bless you. And uh, I trust that you'll go out and be a light to the world of the love of God. Lift your voice. Sing one verse of 349.
1: bless you all you are dismissed